whatever ice cream you want from Publix tonight. And uh, it, it worked out well. They, they didn't care. It was good. So speaking of kids and all that other type of stuff, uh, one of the things that's been difficult for some of us during this season of life that has been quarantine life, pandemic life, has been parenting. Because, man, some of us went from just being mom or dad to being lunch lady, to being teacher, to being principal, to being all those other types of things. And one of the things that we've realized through this season is it has brought some unprecedented challenges to us as parents. And for those of you who maybe you have kids in the house or maybe your kids have left you that empty nest, or maybe if you're like, hey, I don't have kids, the reality is even if you don't have kids, you have parents. And for all of us, sometimes we can carry some wounds from our parents. What we want to do and feel like God had led us to this series to be able to speak into the reality that so many of us are in in this season is to start a series specifically where we lean into parenting in light of the gospel for the next four weeks. So we're going to start our series and it's called Parent Guilt. And our hope in this series is that you can trade in the guilt that you can sometimes feel either from your parents or as your parents that we can trade that guilt in for the grace that Jesus gives us. I'll give you a little video, kind of get you an idea of what this is going to feel like. You can check it out here. So that's what's coming up next. Uh, I pray that maybe, maybe this is one of those things where you invite, you may, you know a mom or dad or a single mom or single dad who's struggling with parenting right now. You either share the link with them or you invite them in to come and watch this with you. Our hope is that we can take uh, the time-tested principles that are found in God's word that are in the gospels and apply them to what it's like to, to be a child, what it's like to be a parent, and see what God does through that. Let's pray and dive into what he has for us today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the glory that we are able to experience as we walk step in step with you. Jesus, we pray today as we talk about hearing you from other people, that you would do that now. That you would use maybe my words to be your words into someone's life. That we would turn and posture ourselves to be able to hear directly from you. You're a real God. Jesus, you have a real love for us. And Holy Spirit, you are counseling us in these moments. Lead us to your truth. In your name, amen. Hey, I want to show you a picture uh, of somebody who you may be able to recognize. For some of you, you, you haven't been in school for a while, and you're like, I don't remember who that guy is. And you may not know who he is. But I want to show you guys this picture of this man and see if you know who this guy is. All right, see if you recognize him. All right, let's check it out. Okay. Anybody know? Anybody in the crowd here today know? Anybody online? You can post that in the comments. John Glenn, yes. Uh, he, he's an astronaut. If you couldn't tell by his aluminum foil outfit, John Glenn is an astronaut. Uh, John Glenn is an American hero. John Glenn is a guy who is one of the, the first astronauts in America, if you don't count chimpanzees and dogs. He's one of the first human astronauts to be able to go out in space. And that's John Glenn. And in 1962, John Glenn became the first American to orbit planet Earth. He actually orbited planet Earth three times. And as amazing of a feat as that was, John Glenn orbiting planet Earth three times, like going into place, going out of the atmosphere of planet Earth, going around three times, the big challenge was not getting out. The big challenge was getting back without 
killing John Glenn in all his aluminum foil outfit glory. And in order to solve that problem, they had to find the best mathematicians that were in the world who could be able to solve all the equations that it took to measure fuel adequacy, to measure all the launch angles, and to measure all the things that needed to happen in order for the, the machine that John Glenn was in to be able to find its way back into Earth's atmosphere and land without killing him. And this is where John Glenn's story connected with this woman's story. Do you recognize this woman? A lot less famous. This woman is named Katherine Johnson. And Katherine Johnson was an incredibly brilliant mathematician. And she was one of the ones who was part of the team who was able to figure out how to get John, and to calculate how to get John Glenn back into Earth's atmosphere and land him safely without killing him. John Glenn actually said, I don't want the brand new IBM computer. The IBM computer had just been invented, one of the first computers ever. IBM computers invented. NASA buys that computer. And John Glenn says, I don't trust the IBM computer more than I trust the human computer and Katherine Johnson. Now, Katherine Johnson had her own struggles to overcome. Katherine Johnson was an African-American woman. And so in that day and age, especially even in NASA, it, it was a white world and it was a man's world. And this was evidenced by the fact that even at Langley Research Institute, Ms. Katherine Johnson and the other people who had the same skin tone as her, they had their own separate bathrooms that they could go to. And then white people had their bathrooms that they could go to. And it was a place where most people who had roles like hers were all males. But you can't keep a good woman down. And that was the reality in Catherine's life. And one of the things that we came to see is that John said, I, I am not going until she runs the numbers. Now, most of you up until this point, you've never heard of Katherine Johnson. Even though she's been given a Presidential Medal of Honor and she's also had an Oscar-nominated movie called Hidden Figures made about her. But play with me for a second. Let's imagine that John Glenn chooses not to go. That, that Catherine Johnson is not this hidden figure in his life who allows him to be able to go to space with the assurance. Because again, if somebody's shooting you off into space, like, you got to sign off on that, right? And you want to know for sure that that's happened, especially if you're the first one. Like, if you're the 744th person to go into space, like, eh, space. But when you're the first, it's different. You want to know for sure that you're going to be able to make it back. And if John Glenn had not done what he did, because Catherine did what she did, there's a chance that we would not have learned what we needed to learn in order to be the first country to be able to put someone on the moon. And if we had not put someone first on the moon, there's a good chance that we would have not won the space race. And if we as America had not won the space race, there's a good chance that we would have not won the Cold War. If we would have not won the Cold War, there's a good chance that you would be talking very differently right now. And so behind... A lot of these people who we look at and say, that is a hero. There are these hidden figures who use their gifts, who use their voice to speak into their lives. And this is not just something that is a trend in, in aeronautical space exploration. This is a trend that we find in Scripture. There's Moses, but then there's this guy Jethro, his father-in-law, albeit, who speaks into his life. There's Queen Esther, but behind her there's a guy named Mordecai. There, there's, there's an amazing church planner named Timothy, but behind him is the Apostle Paul. And behind you, there's someone too. 
behind you, wherever you're watching, if you're at a place where you have this relationship with God, there is someone who their voice speaking into you is one of the things that allowed and led that to be what you have seen come to fruition in your life. For me, I remember very clearly at the youth retreat, I was a 10th grade kid, and as a 10th grader, I, I was a jock, I was a jerk, I, by all stretch of the imagination, I was the, just the prototypical uh, jerk, jock, dated the cheerleader, all those types of things, uh, picked on people, made fun of people, did whatever I could to gain popularity and to make myself feel good because all the things that were going on that no one knew about made me feel really bad. I remember going to this youth retreat, and youth pastors are sneaky. They know how to get you alone, like isolated from the rest of the group, to be able to have these conversations with you. And so, like, it was one of those things where I just kind of looked around, like, where all my friends go? And then the only person beside me is Jeff, my youth pastor. He said, hey, man, I want to talk to you. I said, okay. I'm like, I'm, what did I do? Did I in trouble? Did he find out about that? Does he know what I packed for the trip? Like, what's going on here? Um, and Jeff proceeds to tell me something that I have never forgotten. He said, Trent, in this life... 95% of people are followers. And 5% of people are leaders. And Trent, you're a leader. But you're not leading people the right way. And I see a gift in you, and I see a call on your life, and I would love to help you learn how to lead people to Jesus. And it's because of those voices, his voice speaking into my life and many others, that I'm ever even going to be this person who can stand on stage and be able to preach and talk to you. And for you in your life, you have those as well, whether it was a, was a grandma or a mother or a father or a boss or a coach. You have those people who spoke into your life, and you took it as the voice of God. So if, if from the premise of God actually does speak to us through other people is true, well, then we've got to ask ourselves this really big question. And the question is this, who are the voices you are listening to? Who are the voices that you're listening to right now? Is it voices through music? Is it, is it voices through the media? Is it is a certain newscast on this channel and a certain newscast on that channel? A certain social media presence? Is it, you know, this celebrity or is it this expert in a field? Is it a mom that you call every single day? Is it music that you listen to? Is it the group of guys who you have headphones on and you hear all their words and all their noise and everything that they say as you battle it out in Fortnite? Who is it? Who's speaking to you? You didn't know I knew about Fortnite? Here's a verse I want to show you that, that drills down into this truth. It's Proverbs 13.20. This is what it says. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Now, again, younger people listening to me in the room, or, or maybe even us, us older folks, walk with the wise and become wise. That's not necessarily what we start out and want to do, Right? Most of us, when we go, hey, what lunch table do I want to sit at? Now, I know you ain't going to get to sit at a lunch table this year. That's all right. You're going to be sitting at the kitchen table. But when you think about at a school, what lunch table do you want to sit at? If you went and polled every high schooler, you said, what lunch table do you want to sit at? None of them are going to go, I want to sit at the wise table. That's, they're not going to say that. Where do we want to sit, guys? We want to sit at the popular kids' table. Problem is, so many times we allow those high school things to roll over into our adult lives, though, don't we? we? We want to walk with the popular and become more popular. We want to walk with the wealthy and become more wealthy. We want to walk with the powerful and become more powerful. And sometimes we want to walk with the religiously esteemed, as we do for us church folks. We want to walk with the moral and become moral. But very seldomly do we go, I want to walk with those who are wise 
so that I can become wise. I can discern what's the right thing to do and the wrong thing to do. Now, Paul, he, he, uh, Paul didn't write this. Solomon wrote it. He's really, 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 really wise. He said the opposite is also true, that if you are a companion of fools, you suffer harm. So he's, he's putting these two delineating things. He's saying, here's what wise people do, here's what fools do. To, to summarize, what, what wise people do and what fools do, here's what they do in regards to how other people can potentially speak into their life. When a wise person has an interaction or receives truth, whether it's truth through God's word, the primary, the, the, the foremost point of truth in our lives, whether it's truth through science, truth through law, truth through someone in their life saying, hey, I get frustrated at you when you don't text me when you're going to be late, which is a true statement that I've heard. I don't know about you guys, but I've heard that one. When a wise person hears that truth, do you know what they do? They adjust themselves, and they change themselves. When they hear the truth, they change themselves. What a fool does is a fool incorporates or, or encounters that exact same truth. They experience, they hear it, and they get it. But instead of changing themselves, do you know what they change? They change the truth. And the thing that comes after is usually these two words. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Yeah, but you don't know my backstory. Yeah, but you don't know what it's like to have a childhood like I did. Yeah, but you didn't know what it was like in the boardroom that day. Or yeah, but you didn't know like, you know, all the things that I had. You don't know this. And so we find a way to spin the truth that we encounter and we make the truth change instead of changing ourselves. That's the difference between a wise person and a foolish person. Now, those are the two types of people and if those are the people who are out there, then we've got to understand what type of people is actually speaking into our life and make sure that the person who's speaking to our life are wise people and that we're a wise person and we go to seek wise counsel from wise people. Now, most of us, we, we've experienced this dilemma in life, right? Where, and this is a real life thing, where we say, you know, we talked about this earlier in the series, where we can hear God through his word. How many of you have ran to occasions where you have a big decision to make? Like there's something going on and you need to know the wisdom. Like, and so you're like, God, like you're looking for answers and you go cover to cover through this thing and there's not a specific answer to the problem that you're facing. And you're, you're, you're asking, Holy Spirit, would you give me some promptings and can I just feel something in my heart that would be leading me this way and nothing happens there. When we can't find answers to life's questions through God's word about the, maybe a decision we have to make, and we can't get it through this like Holy Spirit inside prompting where we just we don't really feel at peace about anything, more often than not, what we do is we go to other people, and we ask for their influence. And so my question, it's a big one too, is who are you giving access to? Who is it in your life that you're giving access to? Are the person that you're going with your problem with someone who is worthy of handling those things. Who are you giving access to? Today, I want to talk about in this idea of giving access to the pains of our lives, and in pain not as in P-A-I-N, or maybe it's spelled that way, I don't know. Um, not in pain as like, ow, that hurt pain, but pain as in the window pane. And there's this thing called the Johari window. Maybe you've heard about this. Maybe your HR department at work, they kind of walked you through this and you fell asleep during that part of the thing. Uh, who knows? Maybe it was grad school. Maybe you can't remember. But I want to walk you through this thing called the Johari window. Uh, simply put, it's called Johari because of two guys who created it, Joseph, Harry. Uh, that's how we got Johari window. Okay, I'm going to do my best, despite being left-handed, to try to 
create a good window. Look at this. You're going to hang this on your refrigerator. Okay. This up here is known to you. This is known to others. And this is unknown to others. Or, or this is, sorry, 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 sorry. That's known to others. And this is unknown to others. Can't read that, can you? Okay. So up here, we have this part. This is things that are known to you and they're known to others. Okay? We call this the open. Open. These are things that are open. This is just common knowledge to everybody. These are the things that if I went to your Facebook feed, I could go, they're into fishing. They're into hunting. They're into that guy. These are the things that they're for. These are the things that people know about you. They know, hey, you're actually on your second marriage. They know, hey, you know, that's a blended family. They know, hey, this is, you know, someone who works for this company. These are the things that everybody knows, all right? Simple. We're all tracking. Okay, cool. The next one we're going to talk about is, is this side right here. Uh, sorry. This is unknown to others, and this is also or is unknown to yourself. Sorry. I know what I'm doing. This is the quadrant. Where only God knows. This is unknown to you, and this is unknown to others. All right, you see where these come? This way, whoop, and this way here, all right? These are the things that only God knows about you. The Bible makes it really clear that you were knit together in your mother's womb. God knows the plans that he's had to you from the beginning of your life. Ephesians 2 says you are his workmanship. You were created for good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. And there are things about you that you don't even know yet. Like if you had told me at 14 that this is what I would be doing, I would have said, you're silly, get out of my face. Because I didn't know the things that God knew. And neither do you. What I want to do today is primarily lean into these two categories. Okay? The things that are known to you and unknown to others, that It's called the hidden pain, hidden part of your life, where you know these things, but nobody else does. This is the you that you are when no one else is looking. This is the you that cusses them out when you're in the comfy confines of your Honda Civic, and they cut you off. And if I was riding with you, even if your kids were riding with you, you would never say that. But it's just you riding with you, and so you say that. That's the hidden you. This is the part of our life where secret sin lives. This is where an affair is currently hiding. This is where an addiction to watching that thing online currently is hiding. This is where hidden racism lives. This is where secret struggles with certain sins that you've never told anybody about lives. This is where past abuse that you have never shared with anybody resides. This is the hidden parts of our life that we know and that no one else knows. That's the hidden part of our life. 
Now, there's this passage in Scripture I want to show you that I hope brings some light to this part of our lives and helps us understand why people need to be able to actually speak into that part of our life. It's Ephesians 5.8. Ephesians 5.8 says this, For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Here's the reality for everybody in the room today and those of you watching online. You hid this because you thought it would make your life better and safer. My question, though, is has it? And not has it to everybody else around you, but has it actually made it better to you? Or are you still depressed? Or do you still feel the shame of hiding that sin? Or do you feel that same bondage? You're going, I've struggled with this since middle school. Why is this still here? I've tried to suppress the abuse that I felt for, from, from so long. But man, it, it's just still there. It's not going anywhere. It's hidden. But that doesn't mean it's not hurting. See, God has called us to be children of the light. And what that means to be a child of the light is there are going to be things that we have currently let stay in the darkness and try to keep in the darkness that have to come to light. And one of the ways this happens is we take these hidden things and we bring them out into the open. Because this quadrant here, this is full of darkness. This is where the light resides. And bringing these things out into the open so that other people know. Now I know what you're saying. You're going, Trent, I've confessed my sins to God. God knows my sins. He's got me. I've asked God to forgive that person who hurt me. I've told them that. God knows what I did when I was in the car and how angry I got. And 14 days later, when I finally had my quiet time again, I asked for forgiveness for that. Let me read you something. It's James 5.16. James, the brother of Jesus, he's writing and trying to help a church out, trying to help people like me and you out. And he says, therefore... Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, so get this. When we pray to God and we ask for forgiveness, us confessing to God brings forgiveness. All right, I want it to be very clear on that. You don't have to confess your sins to somebody else, an accountability partner, a mom, a dad, a wife, me, anybody, a priest, none of that. You don't have to confess your sins to any human to be forgiven. Any religion that tells you otherwise has not read the gospel. We confess our sins to God, and he's the one that forgives them. But I want to take it a step further than just forgiven. I want to take it into a place of healing. James makes it very clear that when we confess our sins to each other, that is when healing happens. And what he's talking about here is when we confess, we are taking those hidden things and we are bringing uh, bringing them up into the known part of our lives where I know them and other people know them. And again, I'm not talking about everybody. You don't got to go, you know, share your deep, dark secrets on a Facebook post. That's not what I'm talking about. But somebody has to know it. Because the addiction, the pain, the bondage, the regret, the shame, the depression, the anxiety, all of those things, friend, they will continue to grow in the dark until you allow the light of Christ to find its way in. And so my my question is, you're going to continue to get forgiveness. 
But if you want to break free of the bondage of the sin and the pain of the sin and the woundedness of the sin so that healing happens, it's going to take confessing. It's going to take allowing someone to speak into your life to move that to that spot. Now again, that's not fun. That's not easy. But how many of you, and this is what, the, this is what breaks my heart about the church in, in America and our country because we're so isolated, we're so individualistic. So many of us, if you really had something here, you don't have anybody that you could tell it to. You wouldn't dare. You'd be terrified. What if this could be used against me? And this, guys, this is what the church of Jesus Christ was meant to do. It was meant to be a place where people could take their hurt, their broke, their anxiety, their depression, the deep, dark sins that they would tell to nobody. And that they can have somebody to share that with and that can speak life into that. The other quadrant that's up here is called the blind spot. And guys, these are the things... The other people know about <laughs> you, <laughs> but you don't know about you. <laughs> oh, man. And we all have those, right? I mean, husbands, just ask your wife, like, where's my, like, why, well, everybody, that's why they laugh the loudest right here, fellas, that they know it, right? They know our blind spot, and we know yours too, so don't get off so easy. Those of you who are managers at work, your employees know things about you that you have no idea about you. Your coworkers, they know things about you, and you just have no idea that that's what they think about you. And that's just one of the realities of life. And again, this is what the church of Jesus Christ was created to help. So that you would actually have people in your life who would tell you, your fly is down. You have pepper in your teeth. Like, this is what we are supposed to be for each other in the context of relationships with each other. Whether that's a community group, whether that's a discipleship group, whether that's a one-to-one relationship with a mentor, somebody who's discipling us. Parents, that's what you're supposed to be for your kids. To be able to tell your kid, here's your blind spot. I love you enough to tell you about this. Uh, you're supposed to be that safe. Again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, getting into parent gift already. You're supposed to be the safe place where the hidden things from your kids can come out and come up to open in a safe place where it doesn't wreck their life and wreck your life. That's who we're supposed to be. And so for us, if we're going to be that type of people, one of the things that I believe we've got to understand is if we're going to hear the voice of God speaking to the hidden spots of our lives and the blind spots of our life, it all hinges on who we allow access to speak into our life. My hope and my prayer is that you would begin to allow godly people to have access into your life, to speak into your life. Now again, you're going to be able to speak some too because you're a godly person too and God's working on you and he's doing some things in you. I want to ask you, to do an exercise this week that I think will help you learn some crazy things about you, all right? Now, you got to be careful with who you ask this to. If you got kids who are old enough, that'd be awesome. If you got a wife, a husband, really close friend, maybe even someone at work. If you're a manager, this is an amazing question to ask to the team who you are hopefully representing servant leadership through Christ to. But here's the question. What's it like to be on the other side of me.
What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to experience how I am when I come home after a long day at work? What's it like to be on the other side of me? Because And you know this. You've already experienced this in your life. People remember a whole lot less about what you say. Even more than that, people remember a whole lot less the things you did. Do you know what people remember about you, though? They remember how you made them feel. And so asking this question will help you learn a lot about yourself and learn where you can allow them to speak into And again, when they speak, they're going to be speaking their truth into you that you can either say, I'm going to be a wise person and walk with this, engage with this truth, and then change my life, or I'm going to be a foolish person and go, well, yeah, but it's your choice. The big idea today that that, that is the main thing, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. If you want to access God's voice, you access God's voice by giving access to godly people. To access God's voice, speaking into your life, you do that by giving godly people access into your life. Now, to land the plane today, I want to give us ground rules, okay? Here's the deal. Hearing God through his word, obviously, there's, there's intentionality and, and practices and principles and things that we do to be able to go and do that well. On the other side of that, hearing God through those promptings. Obviously, we walked through last week. Okay, here's how to know that it's not just a burrito you ate last night, but it's actually the Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week. If you missed that, go check that out. There's got to be even more ground rules here because we're talking about God communicating from one jacked up, messed up person like me to another jacked up, messed up person like you who have all sorts of propensity to get things wrong. So we've got to be careful and intentional about being used by God to speak into other people's lives and then taking what other people speak into our lives and saying, thus saith the Lord on that. But here's what I want you to know. If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you. That's Numbers chapter 22, if you want the reference for that. Like that's a legit story in the Bible. God speaks through a donkey of a guy named Balaam. And if he can speak through a donkey, he can speak through you, friend. I think I've earned enough equity with you as your pastor to tell you this. Stop using your personality as an excuse. Stop using your personality as an excuse to not join a community group. Stop using your personality as an excuse to not serve. Stop using your personality as an excuse to not engage with other people. The moment that you use your personality excuse to not do the things that God has created you to do, you don't have a personality. Your personality has you. That's what happened with uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, God, I'm too young to, to speak. He said, I want you to be my prophet. Jeremiah said, I'm too young. God says, hush, don't say you're too young. And you've got your own I'm too whatevers. You've got your I'm too young, I, I'm too messed up, I, I'm too single, I'm too, you know, whatever. I'm too, you've got your own I'm twos. But listen, despite those, God wants to speak to you. And here are some ground rules for hearing him speak and speaking on his behalf. First thing, consider the source, okay? Now hear me. If, if some random stranger comes up and says, Trent, you're going to get arrested today. First of all, I'm going to go, how would you know my name? And then I'm going to go, shut up, you're wrong. Like, I'm not going to get arrested. I haven't done anything wrong. But if Jessica calls me, my wife, and says, Trent, you're going to get arrested today. I'm going, what did you do? All right? Like... <laughs> Who, who did you, <laughs> like, who'd you kill at Target? Like, what's going on? Like, who did you not pay? Like, what's, what's happening? Have you been, you know, growing, you know, crystal meth in the bathroom? Like, what's going on? I go to the worst. Sorry, that's a part of my past I'm trying to get over. You got to consider the source. 
So, so if someone comes to you and, and they're giving you a, a marital advice and they're on their fifth one, like, consider the source and go, okay, grain of salt. Okay, there's probably some truth in there somewhat. If, they're, if their kids, you know, are starting fires in parking lots and they're, they're forced, forced in juvenile detention, like, and they're giving you parenting advice, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take this with a little bit of grain of salt. You've got to consider the source. And again, hopefully the source is us, the, the church, the body of Christ, speaking into each other's life. We consider the source. Next thing is filter everything through Scripture. If someone speaks something into your life, or you're getting ready to speak something into someone else's life, and it doesn't line up with Scripture, don't do it. And don't listen. Next thing. Hard conversations get harder the longer you wait. Hard conversations are going to get harder the longer you wait. You, that thing you know you need to have a conversation with your spouse about, go have it. That thing you know you need to address in your kid's life, go address it now. They're in middle school. You don't want that problem to graduate to high school. Hard conversations get harder the longer we wait to have them. I think that's why Paul wrote in Ephesians, he said, In your anger, do not sin. And do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. He said, first of all, it's okay to be angry about some things. Don't sin. But also, don't just get caught up in whether or not you sinned or not. Look at the sun. And if the sun's about to go down, while you still have an unresolved thing that you need to speak into someone else's life, then go have that conversation. Next ground rule is this. Listen long and hard before you speak. If you're getting ready to speak into someone else's life, you better make dang sure that that is something that you have filtered through Scripture, that you have actually heard their story, and now you feel like I have grounds to try to speak this word of encouragement into someone else's life. And for me, I, I've struggled with this. And maybe this is a, it may be a guy thing, it may be just be a personality type thing, but I know for me, I just want to solve the problem. And what's helped me in this, it's understanding, we talked about this last week in, in regards to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not something that is just given to us so that we can consult people better. So that we can just be the hired consultant in their life to try to help them know what they're supposed to do. God gave us the Holy Spirit and defined the Holy Spirit as the great counselor. And if you're a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and wants to be a great counselor to other people. The problem is sometimes we are so busy that we cannot counsel anybody. All we have time to do is to give them a short consultation and then tell them what they should do in light of that. And oftentimes the relationships aren't deep enough for true counseling anyway. They're so shallow because we keep everything in the hidden category. So listen long and hard before you speak. Don't listen formulating what you're about to say back. Listen Repeat back what you just heard to make sure you heard what they said. And then you speak into it as the voice of God. Last thing. Last ground rule, number five. Encourage before you correct. And again, I'm getting a little ahead of myself from the parenting side of things. But this is a, 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 one of the golden rules, I feel like, for us as parents. Encourage before you correct. If all your, your kids, like if the first thing when they walk down the stairs in the morning is you trying to correct them or trying to get them to do something different? You failed. They're going to remember that. 
In regards to the people in our lives, when we see things that they're doing, that, that, uh, that we, and again, God placed us in our life to be able to help them stay on the straight and narrow path. That's why this walk of following Christ is not you just as a lone cowboy out on a trail. It's you walking hand in hand with your brother and sister in Christ. We've been reconciled to God. Now we're reconciled to each other and we're headed towards him. And so we've got to understand that if, if there is correction that is going to come, that I encourage before I correct. One of the other just you know, basic principles in this, this goes for your kids, this goes for your wife, this goes for your workplace, is encourage and celebrate in public, but correct in private. Nobody needs to see you whooping your kids' butt at church. Nobody needs to see you chewing out an employee around the, the meeting table. But here's the deal. You brag about people behind their back, things good, things are going to happen. You celebrate people and what God is doing in their life publicly, you're going to be speaking words that they will never forget. And when the time comes where you do need to correct some things that are going on in their life, you take them to the side. And you look them in the eyes. And if possible, you use scripture as a grounding foundation for what you're trying to correct. So it's not just you trying to correct them, but it's the living, active word of God that's trying to correct them. And newsflash, it can do that a whole lot better than you. You'll see the relationship be one more often than not. One of the things that I think the enemy wants to do in our lives through this pandemic season is isolate us. And for those of you who are watching online, you're feeling this more than ever. Because most, one of the things that we figured out, for most people who are watching online, the people who would came back, guys, they're already here, all right? There's not a whole lot of new people like every week going, oh yeah, I'm coming back now. Like, you're online, they're here. And again, we have to be very intentional not to be a divided church, to not say that you're any better because you're here and you're any, any better or smart or intelligent because you're not here. That's not what we're saying. The reality is, though, it's harder to connect. You're not off the hook because you happen to be here in person. You got to have some more, you know, you know, conversations in here. You guys got to have conversations online. But what I know is true is we've got to do something different in this season to be able to live as people who have less blind spots, less thing hidden, and more things out in the open so that when we look at ourselves in the mirror, it's actually something that we long to see and that we can speak into other people's lives so that they can be who God wants them to see when they look in the mirror as well. And with that in mind, Church, we're launching this semester's worth of groups. And groups are going to be this year different. We're going to have groups that are going to meet in person. And we're going to have groups that meet online. So if you're watching this, you're online. I don't care if you live in Zimbabwe, which congratulations on getting internet out there. I don't care where you are, where you're from. We're going to be diving into this series on parenting. And then after that, we're going to be diving into a series, just diving into books of the God's word. What I want you to do is to find a place where you can be a part of that. And so we're going to have online-only groups. Now, some of them, if they have some local people in them, they may be hybrid, where they meet online three times a week, and then they meet in person to do lunch together. But here's what I know. You need this. You need to, not, you need to stop pretending like isolation is okay. Now, listen, I know the, 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 the pushback here for some of you is going to be, yeah, man, when we first got into all this, I tried that Zoom stuff, and that was, that was kind of difficult. And I don't want to figure out the technology, but hear me on this. You're, you don't know what you're missing 
by not having other people in your life. Being able to speak the word of God. You don't know what messages from God. You, you haven't opened those voicemails because you are allowing yourself to stay isolated. God has messages, things he wants to speak into your life. But because you've said, ah, I don't like technology, you've missed out on a word from God. And so for every single one of us, my hope this year is that we would say, everybody has somebody. If you want to be a part of a group, you want to find your way into a group, we're going to need people. This is a brand new thing. If you're like, hey, I love technology. It's great. And you're like, hey, I would like to go through training to be actually an online group leader. Let us know. Like, send us, communicate with us. We would love to train you into that. For everybody else, if you want to be a part of an online group or you want to be a part of a group in general, in person, today's the day where we show that interest so that we can help. That's our job as a, as a church. We can help you get into those things. All right? So here's how you can do it. There's a slide up. You text this number, group, text groups, 770-450-1555. They'll send you a link. You can fill it out right here. It'll take seriously 20 seconds. So some of you are getting ready to go off to college. You can still be a part of a group. Some of you are just visiting. You can still be a part of a group. Some of you are watching from different states and maybe even different countries. You can still be a part of a group as we seek to dive deeper into God's word and deeper into relationships with Jesus so we live out his commission and call on our lives to make disciples. And we don't let technology, we don't let a pandemic, we don't let half of our church being here and half of you guys being there become an excuse that stops disciples from being made. I love you, church. I love you too much to let you stay alone. Listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you today and move closer to someone who can show you who you were created to be. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that we don't have to walk through this life alone. And forgive us for the times where we believe the lie that, that that's what we needed to. And if somebody knew what we really know about ourselves, that we would be unlovable. That we would be banished to the outskirts and the, the leper colonies of our society so that, that nobody could know who we really are. But that is a lie. I pray for the person who's hesitant, that they would put the number in the phone, that they would pray about it, and they'd listen to you. That you would move your people into a place where they can connect with you, even through other people. Use our brokenness, Jesus, to put us back together. We love you. And we need you. In your name song we're getting ready to sing it says turn your eyes upon Jesus it's an older song that maybe you sung before growing up at a church with mom or grandma or when you were a kid and it's a beautiful song but what I love is is it encapsulates what my hope we would be doing as a church now as we move forward we, we, we have heard from God now we are answering that call to say God I've heard from you and I want you to use my life to tell other people to turn their eyes, ears, hearts, lives, and souls to you. Let's stand and sing to him today.